my party people. What is going on? I am so excited to be back on another episode of everybody's favorite podcast, Kevin. TV channeling, annaling, annaling. I can't count, I can't count on you to add the echo in post, so I just thought I'd do it myself. Oh, thank you for showing people how inept we are. Anyway, my name is Tachi. And my name is Kevin. And we are super excited because this week we are not alone. We have a guest that is the definition of special. Yes, in the words of Michael Jackson, you are not alone. And we are not alone today. <laughs> we have oh with God, the references <laughs> already. The references. I know you. You know I do the pop culture thing. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I am super excited because, Kevin, do you want to introduce or should I? No, I, I let, let you, I'll let you have the pleasure because you are the one that, uh, the, the six degrees of uh, Tachi continue. And so, yeah, why why wouldn't Tachi uh, know our special celebrity guest? Why, why wouldn't she? <laughs> or know someone who knows her, but I'm so happy to actually know her and call her a friend. Ladies and gentlemen, we have with us Farah coca brown from i'm going to let her list all the plethora of imdb-ness oh wait 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 wait, wait, no she's she's too big to have to name some of her own stuff i will do that much so you may know her as clara from 911 ryan murphy's 911 on fox you may know her from that you may also know know her from shows like for better or worse american crime story oh she isn't just a funny lady she does drugs Drama. Uh, okay. Hello, Coca. How are you? <laughs> I was like, who is Clara? You mean Carla? Did I say Carla? Clara? Okay, I, like, I am so sorry. Kevin is a little special. It's okay. You know, Theo Huxtable, you're just part of a great group of people. Uh, <laughs> <All right. laughs> wow so welcome to the show this is your first time on tv channeling and we are so excited to have you thank you thank you it's so good to be here wow see see kevin that's why i was gonna name her let her name her own stuff so already if you look at her nine uh, uh if you look at her imdb page just yeah. the diversity of the stuff that you have been involved with is so impressive. And so I wanted to basically kind of give people an idea that this is not just, she's also a a stand-up comedian and an Mm -hmm. actress and has done all kinds of things. And so at the end, of course, we'll hear all the things that are coming up in the future that people can look for because all the, all the completed and post-production and filming list on your IMDb is insane. It is. And she's also actually a businesswoman, which we will get into also. Wow. So let's get to it. Kevin, you want to start off? I'll let I'll let you. All right. So obviously we want to get to know you a little bit. So before we go into uh, your top five TV list, your top five favorite TV shows of all time, let's learn a little bit about how this started. Where were you before IMDb? Someone with a big personality and a big talent like yours. What was the beginning? Were you like in school plays? Were you the class clown? What was the beginning? Um, you know, I, I wasn't the class clown. Um, I didn't even get voted like most funniest in high school or anything like that. Um, you know, uh, I was like one of those most likely that you know be married, living in a in a, in a house with five kids kind of person. <laughs> um, but. You know, college, you know, I did I did my first play when I was 10. I was a lead in a play that was written by my fifth grade teacher, Miss Marshall. And um, she saw something in me long before anybody did, myself, my parents, anybody. Um, and then I got, you know, I did uh, drama. And then I also did uh, news broadcasting. I was one of the anchors for my high school uh, news station where we talked about what was going on in our school system and stuff like that. So I was one of the anchors on there. So I went to college to be a broadcast journalist and somehow I got bit by, you know, the advertising bug of, you know, you know, advertising and, and marketing. And I ended up changing my major, but I minored in theater because it was just something I always thought could be a hobby. And it was fun. I didn't, I never, never suspected that it would be what I do for a living. Um, when I started doing comedy, 
Uh, a friend of mine got me into it once again, didn't see it even being an option, didn't even cross my mind. He saw something in me, introduced me to a guy at a barbecue that owned a comedy club. He invited me down to his comedy club for open mic and the rest has been history. Now, if you ask people that I grew up with, none of them were surprised and I never even knew they saw me this way, but they were like, you were always so funny. You know, you know, we were always like, is she here? Cause we wanted you there. Cause your observations and stuff you would say would have us cracking up, you know, so they didn't want to be somewhere I wasn't at whatever. So, um, you never know what life will do and how, where it'll take you, but other people sometimes can lead you into your destiny. Right. So your, your up comedy and uh, being a comedian on television are, or in a, in a sitcom, how similar are they? Are they the same? Are they different? Where is that connection? Well, I mean, with being a stand-up comic, the one thing, if you're truly into the craft and, and learn it and understand it, you understand about timing and delivery and how you can have the greatest joke in the world, but if you don't deliver it right and your timing is off, it will not get the laugh when you want it. Mm. Um, taking mm. that training over to comedic acting is just as crucial. Timing, landing that joke, facial expressions, everything has to go into play to make the joke resonate across a screen where you don't have an immediate audience. So they all tie in, you know, when it comes to that. And even with drama, you know, you have to get people to feel what you're feeling. So once again, we go back to delivery and timing and facial expressions and understanding your body and how you're uh, giving off certain energy and vibes, you know, and that works on stage too. You know, you have to make hundreds of thousands of people laugh at the same thing at the same time. So you have to connect. So it's the same thing. All right. Well, awesome. so, so speaking of connection, you clearly have had a lot of auditions and you've connected with a lot of casting agents. So for those people out there who want to start acting or want to basically speak in front of somebody and make it count, what, what have you noticed anything or anything in particular in your process when you're going to uh, auditions that you found or when the moments where you know that you have them, when you can feel that you've got the job even before you walk out? You know, before COVID, when we actually could go in a room and audition in front of casting directors, yes. Now you're just rolling the dice because it's all self-tape. And you're just hoping that you impress the person on the other end of that camera taping it. <laughs> I mean, you know, wow. so, because, you know, we don't go in anymore because of COVID, you know, self-tape had become a way of life, but you still had in-person auditions. But now because of COVID, it's all self-tape. So a lot of times you don't know, you just have to kind of go off your own intuition and your own instinct. I mean, I've had auditions where I'm like, yo, I killed that. And even the person that was taping my audition was like, girl, you was in the zone and not get a call, like, like nothing. And then I've had ones where I was like tired and not in the mood. I was sick, whatever. And I just was like, you know, that was not my best. And I get a call back. So you really don't know. It's like the rolling of the dice. <laughs> wow. So there's like no formula when it comes to the, uh, the self tape. Not really. I mean, there's formula for it to look good and sound good and make sure it looks professional. But, you know, it, the key is to have to uh, resonate all that emotion and everything in that character through that self-tape where they cannot meet you and see your personality. I mean, a lot of times the best I can do is when it comes time for me to do the slate, which is where we you know, state our name, our height, you know, where we're located, if we're SAG, you know, are we willing to be a local hire, you know, where are we located, blah, blah, blah. That's where I throw in, you know, my personality when I do those. Mm. When I'm like, you know, hey, I'm Coco Brown and I'm 5'4 and I'm based in Atlanta, Georgia, and you need me for this role. Why? Because I am so-and-so. Like, I'll throw in my personality in that slate. Uh, but a lot of times, you know, when you're having to be that character, that's what you are. Um, so you got to milk it and, and do the best you can to connect with those casting directors over a tape. Now you've done a lot but of- But what about, I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. I just wanted go to ahead, follow Tasha. up. Oh, no worries. I just wanted to follow up with that. What about, um, what about Zoom? You know, everybody's using the beloved Zoom. Zoom is different because I just did an audition right before Christmas on Zoom. And, you know, the writer, director, casting director were all on the Zoom when I did my audition. So that is like being in person. It is still awkward 
that okay. you're not physically in front of them, but at least it gives you more of the feel of being in person because you're able to interact and have a little, you know, banter with them uh, and ask questions about the character or what they're looking for, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, um, but most of them are self-tapes where it's just you, that camera, and some person reading in the background. Ah, okay. Sorry, Kevin, go ahead. No problem. Okay, so you've done a lot of recurring, you've had a lot of recurring roles uh, on situation comedies like For Better or Worse and, uh, oh, okay, and then and then The Soul Man, which you were you recurred. So when when you're on a, sit, a situation comedy, have you, have you found that you have more, uh, say, especially being a regular on For Better or For Worse, um, where your character starts to re- either reflect aspects of you or speaking with the writers, that you have more input? Absolutely. I mean, when I, you know, very first season of For Better or Worse, Mr. Perry told me I trust you're funny. And he told mm-hmm. me that if I felt, um, if I said something a different way, or if I said something different, would be funnier. He wanted to give me that freedom to do that. You know, I never truly deviated from the script as per se. I mean, there were times I'd just say, you know, Mr. Perry, this might be funny if I said it like this. And he'll go, okay. You know, he always would trust me. And sometimes it got used and sometimes it didn't. Towards the end, we did do a lot of ad-libbing uh, and he let me have that freedom. And a lot of what you see sometimes is me ad-libbing and improv on the spot where I'm still sticking to the script, but I'm adding my own uh, je ne sais quoi onto the scene. Um, but, um, you know, not all directors and writers are that open to that. Some want you to stick very much to those words on the paper and do the best you can and bring their words to life. Um, you know, something like Soul Man, Cedric was totally open to, you know, bringing your own, you know, flavor to it. He was totally open to that. Um, but then you have on some sitcoms where those writers want those jokes just how they wrote them. Uh, dramas, a lot of times, you know, with like 911, you know, I've been able to add my own little twist onto Carla, but I stick very much to the script, but I might add on a baby or a honey, you know, something mm-hmm. to make mm-hmm. it a little bit more endearing because of who Carla is and what she stands mm-hmm. for to this family. So, um, yeah, I mean, you 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 have directors and, and, and writers that you can play and others that want you to stick to it. You just got to ask the questions and know. You just got to know. Absolutely. So... Uh, to date, I don't know if this is even a fair assessment because I'm sure you have a little bit of favorite in everything you've done. But is there something, a role that you've had thus far, besides the role of mom, <laughs> that is your favorite thus far? Uh, I can't lie. I had a ball playing Jennifer on For Better or Worse. Uh, I loved playing Lydia on Single Moms Club. Um, you know, Carla on 911 is is awesome. You know, um, right now I'm having a lot of fun playing Principal Grubbs on Never Have I Ever because I'm channeling my mother. She was an educator for 36 years. This was her, like I'm being my mom. So every time I put on that that wig and that suit and I'm Principal Grubbs, I'm like, I'm Shirley, I'm Shirley. So I get to be my mom, I get to be my mom. So that's a lot of fun because I watched her be an educator an administrator, you know, and be that boss that she was my entire life. So I get to be her. Um, I'm looking forward to the character I'm going to be playing on Black Mafia Family because it's very different from anything people have seen me do. Mm, Can you give us a little more about that? Let's just say that I'm going to be getting my total Viola on. You may not recognize me. Oh, my God. Wow. Wow. So uh, this is, wait, is this a film or a series? It's a series. It's the new 50 Cent uh, series that he's doing on Stars to come back after Power Book. Yes. Wow. I can't wait. That is going to be huge. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm excited because, like I said, I'm going to be, I I always say when you get to be stripped down and you can only rely on your talent and not how you look, I call that the Viola Mm -hmm. moment because Viola is a master of that. Um, I study her. She's a genius. But so when I say I'm about to get my Viola on, they're stripping me, which means that it will just be me and my talent on that screen. Nothing else. Oh, wait. Mm. You're, they're, they're not going to you take off a wig and, and ask your husband, why is your penis on this dead girl's phone? <laughs> 
Right, right. I don't even get to take the wig off, honey. Y'all about to see me in all of my own natural. <laughs> oh, wow. 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 Well, how scary is that for you? Or is it scary for you? I mean, initially when I found out, you know, you know, we, we could be pretty hard on ourselves. I need makeup. I need this. Oh, no. Da, da, da. But at the same token, you know, I do take the craft very seriously. And because, you know, Viola Davis is someone that I so admire and I've seen her in positions where... You know, she has stripped herself completely where all you're focused on is the words coming out of her mouth and the performance. So Mm -hmm. now I look at it like this is this is that role that you asked for, where people will have to look beyond the glam, the glitz, the hair, the makeup, the lashes and see you in this performance. So I'm, I'm excited about it. Can you tell us a little bit about the character? Like either what they were, what you were told when you were auditioned, like who is, who is this woman? I didn't find out I, when I auditioned for her, I just assumed that she was more of a, uh, you know, community activist. But um, now that I've been, been able to sit with the director and the creator and the showrunner of the show, um, I'm realizing that it's so much more to her than that. It's much deeper. And so when they told me how they envisioned her, I said, oh, so y'all just want me out there naked. You know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is on stars. So, yeah. (laughs) Right, right. Which I'm hoping they do not. I will will request a body double for that. I will not, no. But, you know, no makeup, no hair, no lashes. Very, very stripped of anything that that you're only going to be able to see me in all of my splendor. Uh, that that all that matters is what she stands for. There's nothing else to, to to prevent you from seeing what she stands for, what she believes, and what matters to her. So, um, like I said, it's it's a challenge in a sense that because I've never gone on screen to the world without a stitch of makeup and you know just very just it, you know that. But I'm 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 accepting of the challenge. I'm looking forward to it because. I know now I've got to bring it in such a degree that I have nothing to hide behind. So is there even a tentative release date for your episodes or uh, do you know anything yet? Well, we're yeah. just, they just started filming last week. So I would think maybe summer. Summer. Okay. So going, going into that and going back to that, I, th- this is women in general, women and women in general, but particularly women in Hollywood, but is some of the trepidation with that because of being a black woman in Hollywood? And I'm saying this because there's there's so much expected of us, there's in general, and it, it feels like we're often expected to always be flawless and, and just there. So does some of that trepidation that you have, even if it's a little bit, does that have to do with presenting yourself as a black woman? Um, yeah. Yeah, but no, as, well, Hollywood is a different animal. I mean, in, in the real world, you know, as a, as a black woman, you're either like three things. Either you're totally put together, you a bad chick, every hair, every place, mm-hmm. makeup flawless, or you're like earth mother, you know, I'm all about my natural hair, I'm not wearing your lashes, I'm not Europeanizing myself for you. Uh, right. Blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, you have the one in the middle that can, you know, that I always like to say is like the Freddie Brooks can go either way. You know, okay. whatever day <laughs> yeah. she's feeling, she might be woke one day and she might feel like being Megan Thee Stallion the next. You don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, seriously, you know, she might be a woke Megan. You don't know. She, you don't know what you're going to get. But in Hollywood, they tend to look at black female actresses. Um, Either you're the uh, sex symbol, the one that, you know, they put in the sexy stuff and make the men fawn and swoon, or you're in the mother role, the, you know, the maternal role, um, the boss role. Like what I loved about Viola Davis, you know, when she came out with How to Get Away with Murder is that she gave us both, you know, where, yes. you know what I'm saying? She gave us both. And a lot of times you don't get to see that dynamic. It's either one or the other. So I'm liking how they're blurring the lines now that black women are much more multidimensional than that. We're just not one or the other. Okay. Now, speaking of being multidimensional, you are also a writer. So are there any kind of plans or anything that you would like to do where you actually 
uh, build a character from the ground up that you would and is there like any like dreams of your own sitcom or is there any kind of uh, role that you haven't done yet that you want to do yourself because you feel like there's a story speaking of the way that you get people get pigeonholed as actresses as you know the whore Madonna or the bitch uh is there anything that you'd like to create yourself that that's percolating in the back of your mind or already percolated? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I've, I've written a, a sitcom for myself that has garnered a little interest, but you know, over time I need to evolve it to where I am now because I wrote it a decade ago, so it doesn't apply now. Oh, wow. I would definitely have to cast somebody else. Oh, my, first of all, if you need a wacky best friend, um. Yeah. <laughs> I I can also do a nosy neighbor. So whatever you need. Okay. Cool. <laughs> um, and then you know I've written uh I'm I've written a drama. I've always been a fan of the Moody uh the of the chemistry of Diana Ross and Billy D Williams. Whether it was mm-hmm. Lady Sings the Blues or Mahogany, you know the the chemistry between Diane Carroll and James Earl Jones and like Claudine. I've always been so in love and fascinated with the chemistry between a man and a woman on screen that you forget their acting. So mm-hmm. um, I've written a, a love story based on a, a female comedian that kind of resembles Lady Sings the Blues meets Mahogany meets Claudette. <laughs> wow. wow. With, with a little bit of punchline thrown in. Mm. Exactly. Exactly. Where the woman is a female comedian and... Uh, you know, finding love in the midst of her making everybody else laugh. That's awesome. All so right, so let's um go ahead. I'll, I'll go. I'll give it to you because I know you're excited. Go ahead. I was gonna say, <laughs> uh, speaking of making people laugh, let's let's get to your list of top five. So, what are some of the shows that have made you laugh, moved you, and uh, your favorites of all time? So, let's start off at the beginning at number five. We're going from least favorite of favorites to most favorite. Number one is your ultimate. So what's your number five? My number five would probably have to be Living Single. Oh, ah, wow. That is okay. a great pick. Because it just reminds me of my college and, and years in my 20s with my homegirls. Um, yeah, it just brings back great memories because you know, we, we used to call each other those characters' names. Um, everybody always thinks I was Regine because of the wigs, but I didn't start wearing wigs until like my 30s. <laughs> You know, you know, they used to always call me Max. <laughs> okay, I can see that. You know, I was always Max. Um, number four would have to be, uh, God, Good Times. I can watch a Good Times just still to this day. It's one of my favorite shows. I can okay, no, but, but, but you moved so quickly, I was going to ask you. Now, do you have a favorite Living Single episode that you can think of in particular? Oh, God. Um... Or a favorite story arc or anything? I, the, the story between uh, Max and Kyle, I, I love that of arc. Of course. Because, you know, that kind of happened to me with a guy that I had been friends with and we used to always crack on each other and then we ended up crossing the line. And, you know, thank God it didn't ruin our friendship and we're still friends to this day. I was actually at his wedding with somebody else. Um, but... Uh, we used to always crack on each other, like, "Yo, are they, are they, are they, are they talking about us?" You know. But uh, yeah, that that, that storyline always uh, resonated with me. And then I also love the storyline with Queen Latifah and her father, with uh, Khadijah and her father, and mm-hmm. uh, that always resonated. Even though my, you know, I didn't come from a broken home. My parents have been married fifty three years. A lot of my girlfriends came from that dynamic, and I know how it affected them. So that always resonated with me. And then also, too, I love the uh, storyline with Regine and her mother, because that is now my life, where it's like my mom's like, OK, you gonna have some more babies. What you going to do? And I'm like, nah, uh, <laughs> nah, you know, and then my mom is at that age now where she's wearing the, you know, satin jogging suits with the kitten heel and she want me to dress like her. And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And that re- I mean, I get it. That resonates with me, too, because that was um, for me. That was my first year at um, in grad school at Howard. So that was like the first time I was ab- around a bunch of black people. And it was just, you know, you kind of, there are certain people that resonate with you and you form your your crew, your clique. So I get it 100%. So when that was coming on, I'm like, oh, this is us. That was really cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, so what you're saying basically is you were living single. It was in a 90s kind of world, but you were glad that you had your girls. Yeah, yeah most yeah. definitely. I mean, <laughs> I mean I, I've got ride or dies that I've been friends with since we had baby two. So, you know, that, that, that bond, that friendship, and then a lot of us did live together. We were roommates. So that, res- that, that show really resonated with me. All right, so let's let's go hit go back to good times. So, are there any characters, any storylines, any episodes in particular that stand out? God, good times is one of those shows that it just did. I mean, of course, the whole episode with Ramona getting Penny and her mama, <laughs> you know, and you know her crazy mama and the mama coming back, and that that was always and and Ramona was just an icon to me. I look back now and I said I must I I didn't realize back then, but. I guess I, I, I knew back then, I, I didn't know that I was going to be a, a fly, fly-ass single mother because I am Walona. And so <laughs> that is like, <laughs> that is my moniker. I am Walona. I'm that fly-ass single mama. But um, that show just re- reminded me of my home life. It resonated more with me. My father was more of a James Evans. My mom was more of a Florida. You know, um, you know, it, it, and then, like I said, you 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 never focused on they were in the projects and they were struggling. It mm. showed that you are not your you are not your environment. You are not your circumstances. That is still a choice. Mm. Oh yeah, absolutely. And there was so much love in that home. Uh, to see a black family and love uh, in that family was such a was a first. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, and then to see. You know, Keith and Thelma's dynamic, that was always beautiful uh, to see that kind of love and even the, them going through the struggles. So, yeah, I, Good Times, one of those shows that I'll always be with. I mean, I own the box set. Like, it's that, it's like that. I mean, oh. every show I'm talking that I'm probably going to mention, I own the box set, too. And I asked you the storyline thing. I thought, okay, she's going to mention Penny. And not only you mentioned Penny. I, to me, the episode is when Penny's mother comes back and she has money and the idea that money is going to change who she is and she's the exact same person with money as she was without. She's just as abusive and the excuse that because she was poor was the reason why she was uh, uh, beating her child. No, even when she was rich, she could not control her anger. anger. And the fact that Penny at the age that she was in that episode was like, I don't care what you say, and I don't care what you say. You're going to always be my mama. And she hugged Walona. I said, she knew where her love was. She wasn't going back to that craziness. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Damn, we blood, honey. You think I'm coming over here to get Ike Turner with you? No. Exactly. Exactly. You know, the, I mean, one of the criticisms of the show that, um, th- that people had, that critics had, was... Uh, you know, the portrayal of JJ and um, the fact that he basically played a buffoon, which in a sense, yes, he did. But he also showed that he was a great artist. He also, it also showed that he had the patience to create great things. So even with the, the criticisms, despite everything. The, the, the funny, the buffooning, whatever you want to call it, he always believed in his own, he always believed in his own stuff. Like he he conducted himself like I'm the shit and you'll follow suit or okay like <laughs> right his ego you know it it showed you that 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 black male pride sometimes is a beautiful thing the balance with the father the the to me the problem with the show was when uh uh James almost left the show and the show the lead kind of turned into to uh, Jimmy uh Walker kind of took over the show completely and so you didn't have the balance you had when you had the father in the in the home yeah i love the fact that they gave florida love again you know with carl yeah and i wish they had shown more of that dynamic because they just moved to arizona and you ain't seen them together no more (laughs) (laughs) it would have been nice to have seen the dynamic between her and carl as opposed to now, I don't know the history of that. Did she choose to leave the show or was she written out? Because well, we know James almost, uh, he he was upset with the writers and so he got written out because he wasn't happy with how some things were happening with how they were portraying uh, the J.J. character. And so that's why he left the show. But I never knew what happened uh, with the Florida, uh, I can't remember the actress's name right now. Her, um, Estelle Roll. She, uh, uh, she was working on another, she was working on another project. I want to say it was Ritz. Okay. 
it was another project she was working on and that's why she left for that season all right mm. so what is oh, your hold on, hold on before before we go on fun fact uh, I don't know if you know, but Esther Roll is from Florida. Her family is like one of the first uh, founding families of Pompano Beach, Florida, and she's also Bahamian. And so I was teaching in the Bahamas for two semesters, and I had a role in my class, and I was joking. I was like, like Esther Roll? She said, yes, that's my cousin. Six degrees of separation, Kevin. I taught oh, Esther Roll's cousin. Is, yes. Was that why the character was also named Florida? I mean, because the character's name probably, was Florida. Probably. Probably. She is from Pompano Beach, Florida, so it, it probably is. Yeah, maybe. They got yeah. so much out of – let's talk about just just a, on a side note. The the whole idea of the spinoff character. I mean, the character was born on the show Maud, Maud. and mm-hmm. then got spun off. And then Maud was a character that originated on All in the Family and got spun off. And the Jeffersons from All in the Family. So just, oh my God, all the things that came out of the that one mind. It's amazing. That's Norman Lear for you. All right, so what is your number three? A Different World. See, that's why I love you. Yes. Different world. Yes. Different world. And yeah, okay, you, you may not know this, but when we, Tachi and I have, we, we don't ask anybody to do what, anything that we haven't already done. So we did our top five list together as our very first show. And so, th- so when the moment you said this, the love for you, I could, I, you can feel it floating towards you <laughs> through the, through the, e- because Tachi, that was on her list. Yeah. Was different world, hands down, hands down. All right, so I gotta ask you the question. So, what is it that you loved about it? What are some of the storylines, characters? Give it to me, give it to share. Characters, it was like I knew all of them. It's like I never felt like I was watching a show, I felt like I was sitting up in Dorothy Height dorm at Hill. Mm -hmm. I felt Mm -hmm. like I was there. It's like I knew all of them. I have family members who were Jaleesa, I have family members who were Kim, I have family members who were Whitley. I had members that were Dwayne and Ron. I knew these people. It was nobody on there, you know, that I did not know in some degree. So when I'm watching it, I'm connecting beyond it being a fictional place. Like this is like, like for real, for real, when they came out with the Hillman sweatshirts, I was so gassed because I said, finally, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Absolutely. But then too, I love that they did real issues because I mean, you know, you went to college, Tasha, you know, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We know mm-hmm. we dealt with, you know, the date rapes. We dealt with this, uh, pregnancy scares. We dealt with the cheating. We dealt with the cheating. You know, all that stuff that was real. They dealt with such real stuff. Like that first season, they tried to candy coat it a little bit. And I think that's when Bill was like, hold up. I can't be doing no HBCU. Are we trying to diversify? Let's keep this 100 and make it what it truly is. And when they came mm-hmm. back that second season and truly made it an HBCU, I was like, baby, it was everything. <laughs> Despite the fact that um, Whitley Gilbert got on my damn nerves. Even oh, my God. <laughs> that is my cousin. She's going to hate me for this, but that is my cousin, Keisha, all day. <laughs> really? Wow. Wow. Oh, my dad's side like of the family, no lie, is Whitley Gilbert Central. Like, all the women are very... What do you mean? No. Uh-uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, you are a Southern belle. You really are a Southern belle. Um, you know, it's like, I knew what it was like to be in cotillions, you know, and debutante and Jack and Jill and stuff like that. So people think when they see my characters, I play sometimes that, oh, she, she hood. No, I'm far from it, baby. I'm, I hate to break it to you. I'm a damn good actress. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know. <laughs> it's called range. Right, exactly. I'm like, you know, I grew up in that whole element. It's like, I got the best of both worlds. My mom's side was like Jaleesa. You know what I mean? And my mom and my dad's side is Whitley. And then I had everything in between. You know, the Rons, the Kims, you know, all of that. You know, the Genas. I mean, it was, you know, the, you know, Charmels. I mean, I knew these people. It's like, I... It was like watching a, a reunion, in a sense, of like, nobody was unfamiliar to me. Wow. Wow. I, I concur. I concur. There's a very special, um, very special relationship that I have with um, A Different World because of the fact of 
you know, it really made you take a look at um, HBCUs as serious institutions to be reckoned with, especially if you didn't like I grew up um, in upstate New York. So, you know, there are no HBCUs up there. And so to see this on television, that's the first, that plus, I would say that plus when school days came out and they all kind of came out at, at around the same time, that really solidified, oh yeah, HBCU, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and uh, Tachi and I, we actually did pitch a Different World reboot here on the show. We've yet to hear back from uh, Lisa Bonet. Nobody said anything. Maybe they didn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) What happened? What? We, We always, okay, in our heads, people need to hire us. These directors and producers need to hire us because we have these bomb ideas for reboots. Nobody ever listens. (laughs) <laughs> so we came up with one for a different we world, keep we keep giving them comedy gold week after week and just like the phone does not ring we don't understand why maybe they, they can bring back saved by the bell they can bring back a different world uh hello <laughs> and hello. it would just be such a especially with all that's going on in the world with the black lives matter movement and so many of this generation being way more huey than they are martin um, mm. You know, I think that it would raise a different dynamic to it in terms of showing this generation for what they what they are doing. Oh, absolutely. What, what, what it would, to me, what it would be, it would be Lisa Bonet uh, as a professor going back to her alma mater as a professor and her daughter um, uh, as a student. And the dynamic of them, a uh, mother daughter relationship while um, her being the educator and her being the student. And the and the and the wider uh, the wider uh, her, the daughter's experiences with the fellow students and Lisa Bonet's experiences with the uh, uh, the you know the uh, the politics of being uh, uh, you know uh, with her colleagues and also potentially trying to find love because she will be single in this uh, in this reboot uh, and so I think I feel like that show writes itself. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean. You could bring back everybody, you know, like, um, you know, it, it, it's one of the things that it's, it's funny. I, I got into an HBCU, but chose to go a different route only because mm-hmm. of the location. Cause I knew if I went to, to, to Hampton being from Newport news, I wouldn't be able to do anything, but barely breathe with my father being 20 minutes away. So I decided mm. to go a little further to a different school, but I went to Virginia Commonwealth. We were surrounded by HBCUs. We had Virginia mm-hmm. on one side, Virginia State on the other. I did the homecomings, honey. I did that stuff. So it's like, in a sense, I got kind of the best of both worlds, you know, mm. because I spent so much time on VUU's campus. People thought I went there, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> right. so even though wow. I didn't get the, what I do miss is that I didn't get that, you know, nurturing because most i would say 99 percent of my friends who went to hbcus there is such a different nurturing and a camaraderie and a family unit whereas you know once you graduate from a regular university you know it's an effort for the, the, the black folk that went there to stay together whereas it really is but for the hbcus it's like you to this day my mother went to winston-salem and to this mm. day my mother's 74 years old and every year there's a packet for a reunion and every year she's seeing this for, you know, the organization that she belonged to and all that, you know. So it's like, wow, you know what I'm saying? And with me, VCU, no disrespect, but outside of the African American Alumni Association, that's it. You know, I ain't, you know, and I mentor with them, with other uh, students of color that are there now. I'm a mentor to quite a few of them, which is awesome. But I know it, it would have been so much different had I gone to HBCU. So knowing me, I'm probably going to encourage my son to go to an HBCU. And for Howard. those that, that, that are listening that don't know, HBCU, historically black college. And university. And university. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, I mean, that's why I chose to go to Howard for grad school. So you never hear me talk about the University of Buffalo, do you? There's a reason. Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right. It's like, seriously, it's like you just go, you get that degree and you move on. But it's something about, you know, if I could do it again, I would have bit the bullet. But I just, you know, there was many dynamics why and nothing against Hampton because I applied, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. but 
too many people I went to high school went went there, and then my father was 20 minutes away. Plus, my parents, my family is very connected in the Newcomb East Hampton area. I wouldn't have been <laughs> able to spit without my parents knowing. So I was like, nah, I need to go a little further away. You needed a different <laughs> world. You needed, you needed a different, different world. I did. I was like, I won't be able to do jack without Madison or Shirley knowing what I'm doing. So, nope. nope. All right. So, wow. what is your number two pick? God, number two. If I had to narrow it down right now, a show that just resonates with my soul, I would have to say Queen Sugar. Mm. Oh, dear I God. Oh, my. Again, mm. can, you fe- can you feel the love today? Can you feel it raining down on you like a warm hug? Yes. This That I was on Tashi's list as well. It was. I have not seen a black drama with so many colors, elements, dimensions, layers, just beauty, and then shot in such a way that sometimes you get caught up in just the scenery. And the, mm-hmm. the, the, so... Um, and then the characters is so real and transparent. And even with someone as like Charlie, supposed to be this so-called well-bred, you know, debutante bourgeoisie. And now we're seeing the flawed cracks in her. And, you know, it's just, it, it, I, I just, man, look. And, and then can we all just get a Hollywood? Can someone, Jesus, God, if you hear me, <laughs> Jesus, if you ever heard yes. me, can I get a Hollywood in my life? Please, Jesus. Everybody needs a Hollywood. And when and when Aunt Vi was about to mess that up, I was like, if you mess this up. Oh, when I tell you the way he speaks to her, the way he looks to her. And it's so funny because I, you know, I know I, I know Omar, and it's so funny because, you know, I know him, but whenever the show's on, I have to always text him. And go, bruh, it's so hard for me not to fall in love with you. And I'm like, dude, I love you, my bruh. Like, like you are playing this role, homie. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, how do you look at her? Like, God, you know, like, uh, any woman worth her salt wants to be loved like that. You know what I mean? Yes. And yes. Um, you know, and then, you know, I love Ralph Angel's struggle, you know, oh. uh, just realize. I love Ralph Angel. Who said that? Go ahead. You know, Ralph Angel. <laughs> Tachi has a long list of uh, husbands in her head and yeah she has a harem and that is one of her boys that's a beautiful that's a beautiful chocolate dripped angel honey yes Mm. hallelujah but it's like I I love the duality of him Um, Mm -hmm. bad boy trying to do good not just on the outside but on the inside to see a black man truly working on himself from the inside that is a beautiful thing to witness because most of just because most of them will just dress up shit, you know what I mean. And let's just keep it one hundred. Mm-hmm. They'll put some Gucci belts and some money and floss some money and wrap up that shit. To see a black man truly deal with his shit on the inside, and you're watching this, is one of the most amazing things to watch on screen. It's an amazing series. It's so the characters are so rich and complex. You don't know what you're going to get from season to season. It is I I'm absolutely in love with Queen Sugar. So good pick. And uh, you mentioned the 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 scenery, the cinematography of that show. It is a love Gorgeous. letter. It it is so, it is literally they are getting people to go just people want to go just to experience it based on that show. It looks so gorgeous. Right. Yeah. So, All right. No, I was going to say, I was going to say, um, you know, if you have anything else to say about the show, uh, feel free. No, no, no. And I just love Ava. You know, she has a signature oh, yes. way of her shows um, are never one dimensional. Never. And they they have a they have a feminine touch to them that isn't overpowering. But, you know, a woman put her hand on. Oh well, yes. let, let's talk about let's talk about the yeah the commitment. Is, uh, are they still doing that where every episode is directed by a woman? Yep, and I love it. All mm. right, so what is your number one pick? And first of all, a thank you for being on. Wait, the show. did we do did we do number two? I thought that was number two. Yeah, that was number two, Queen Sugar was number two. Oh, okay. I'm so lost in the thing. I'm like, did we do two? All right, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, now, I, I, we understand how hard this is to narrow things down to five because, <sighs> confession time, Tachi and I 
have been known to cheat when we do these top five lists and try to squeeze extra things in. Right, right. So uh, we understand that the struggle is real. Right, right. So <laughs> what is your number one? And if you have an honorable mention you want to mention before you get to your number one, feel free. Um, honorable mention, I have to say power. Mm. Um, especially the beginning. Um, and, you know, even towards the end, you know, but uh, I would have to say power is an honorable mention, definitely. Um, Empire, when it first started, an honorable mention for sure. Um, New York Undercover, honorable mention, most definitely. I love mm, that show yes. back in the day. Um, you know, talk, you know, uh, you know, uh, does anybody know what's going on with the, with the, wasn't there supposed to be a reboot of New York Undercover? Is that, uh, was that, I was heard that it was, next? I heard it was, I, I haven't heard anything else about we it. We haven't heard anything else, yeah. yeah. But I did hear, because, um, I had ran into Lauren Falez, um, who played, uh, Zagina, Gina Torres, um, mm-hmm. and I ran to her an event and we were talking about it, but this was about, Jesus, I know it was pre-COVID. It had been two years ago. So I don't know what's going on with it now. Mm, well, I would love to see that because I used to love New York Undercover. Yeah, God, honorable mentions, The Wire, mm. uh, Treme. Uh, oh, I love, love Treme. God, honorable mentions, there's so many. Uh, the Corner. Um, God, there's a lot of honorable mentions. But if I had to narrow down to number one of all time, I would have to say Martin. Martin, what? Wow. That was a surprise. Uh, you zig when you, uh, you when I thought you were gonna zag. Yeah, Martin, Martin. I don't know. I I think for me that was one of the most best, well written, well rounded, best casted sitcoms of our of our lifetimes. Um, there's not one episode that you like. Oh, I don't like this one. I'm gonna turn. There's not one. Even towards the end, when the dynamic was going on between Martin and Gina. Well, they couldn't be in the scenes together. They kept that show going, which was bizarre, you know. But Martin is just one of those shows that, you know, to me was the epitome of a true sitcom where Martin did what a lot of people would have felt was was uh, uh, selling his soul by putting on the dress and being Shanaynay, doing all the characters, doing Mama Payne. But none of them made you question him. None of them made you look mm. at him sideways like he was letting down black people. And none of that. Like, I know some woke-ass Negroes. Like, woke, woke. Like, to, to the point that you're like, I can't be around you too long because you're about to have me go out here and burn down some white. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> but. The views expressed by. No. <laughs> but, like, seriously, you know them ones that had you out here going, Oh, I don't even like loose leaf paper right now because it's white, you know. The, the hoteps. Yes, we call them the hoteps. Yes. You know what I'm saying? You know, them brothers the ball, you know what I'm talking about. You know, them, them brothers, you know what I'm saying? That, you know, yes. just drinking all kinds of, you know, that's all they do is drink black seed oil and, and preach. But, um, <laughs> but, absolutely. None of them would even question any of Martin's choices. It was how he did it. It was how he presented it. Um, everybody's got at least a, t- a top three of Martin episodes. Um, I quote Martin episodes this day sometimes, just being funny. You know, one of my favorite episodes is when they went to that resort and that damn that damn monster was in there. And Gina was like, hey, there's a puppy in the room. <laughs> that ain't no damn puppy. <laughs> and him and Pam whooping that monster's ass. I mean, like, you know, when, you know, Gina got her teeth fixed and it came out wrong and they went to the, you know, class reunion, pretty Ricky, you know, Ricky Fontaine, pretty Ricky what they call it. You know, like, it was just classics that if it's on, you're going to watch no matter where it is. So, to me, that is probably, in my opinion, the best sitcom of all time. Okay, that's another wow. reboot. That's another reboot that was talked about and um, just kind of faded into the ether. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen. Mm. I'd be shocked. Wow, I'd be shocked. I mean, they brought back the Bad Boys Three, so anything's possible. So you know, um, anything's possible. Yeah. 
Now, let me tell you one of my favorite episodes, obviously, being Nigerian, is um, the episode where it was kind of the coming to America episode. Yes, he was the king. And well, this let me tell you why. Because they were actually speaking my parents' language, Igbo. So I understood everything they were saying. So that was awesome for me. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay, that was funny as hell though. What? It was. Concubine. That, that, that's what I always remember. <laughs> like the episode when Biggie, you know, they were trying to audition for Biggie. And then the yes. episode when Chris from Kid and Play, you know, got the date with Shanae forever Shanae. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. It's just like, I mean, just too many classes. Oh my God, the time Martin fought Tommy Hearns and he came out that room with his face all busted up. Oh my God. Hilarious. Like it's too many classes. Wow. Like that, that is like one of the best if not the best black sitcom of all times to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good choice. Wow. wow. All right. Well, it looks, it looks like we've, uh, we've done your list and it's a, a good list. It is. Thank you for sharing, for sharing that, that with us. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. You, said absolutely. TV, you said TV shows. So I said, let me narrow down the TV shows. <laughs> and you did a good job of doing that. <laughs> so we're going to, Kevin, you have anything else you want to ask? No, I, I, I just, I was so impressed with that list and the love because we love TV here. So it's always fun to have a guest that knows their TV and loves their TV. Absolutely. Well, once again, thank you so much for coming on and gracing us with your presence and your choices for the top five TV shows of all time in your book and a lot of other people's books, I would venture to say as well. So if people want to reach out to you, um, see you, tell us all the deets, where can they see you next? What do you have coming up next? How could they reach out to you? And you know what, before we get to that, you're a businesswoman. Can you tell us a little bit about all your business ventures, please? Oh my God. Yes, I'm a woman of many hats. Okay. Uh, or as I like to say, many wigs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, there is the Coco Brown Collection, which is a body cream, body scrub, CBD infused product, handmade by yours truly, designed by myself and a young chemist. Uh, these are creams that help with pain and inflammation. They're used not only just for your feet, my minty toes. I created for my feet because I wear heels. But now it's become so popular with lupus patients, first responders, nurses who are on their feet all day, firemen, you know, police officers, you know, teachers. It's a great cream to use if you have pain or inflammation. The body scrubs are divine. They get those rough spots, moisturize the skin, also help with their soreness because of the CBD. And you can get those on the Coca Brown Collection. It's the thecocabrowncollection.com. And the good thing is 10% of every sale goes to Social Butterflies, which is a nationally recognized lupus foundation to help women who are battling lupus and fibromyalgia. Wow. And wow. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, then we have the Coca's Cravables. If you are more of an edible person, I have created the legal edible. I'm your legal trap queen. Um, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, you've really taken on Atlanta, have you not? <laughs> yes, I'm, not, you know, I'm a legal trap queen. Um, I took my grandmother's recipes and learned how to infuse CBD with and without THC into these to give you the legal edible that can be shipped to all 50 countries as well as I mean, 50 states as well as other countries. We have everything from brownies to cupcakes to muffins to cookies to gummies. I've made everything from peach cobblers to sweet potato pies, you know, pound cakes, you name it. We take requests and we can tailor it to your needs. We have things for insomnia, anxiety. We have things for energy. We have things for pain. We have an isolated CBD for each and every one, and we can tailor it to whether you want to chill or you want to be Snoop Dogg. We got you. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, the gummies are probably you know one of my my most popular uh, things. The gummies, and you can go to cocascravables.com, cocascravables.com, and get those as well. Um, and then if you are someone who is interested in uh, learning the business, becoming an actor or learning how to speak publicly with confidence and commanding the room, if you have a child who wants to get into the business, who wants to be being on Nickelodeon or Disney one day, 
we now have my from stage to screen acting laboratory. We're doing it all viral now. You get one-on-one -on -one classes with me as well as a Zoom class right now with other aspiring actors in your age group or dynamic. We teach you everything about you know acting as well as the business. For parents, we know for your little ones, we have a program called Little Oscars where we work with children to prepare them for being in front of the screen and learning the dynamics. And we also teach the parents how to protect their children in the business. So if you're interested in that, hit me up at from stage the number two screen at gmail.com. We are taking one-on-one -on -one classes right now uh, with a minimum of four, which is a month, and we'll be doing eight and 12-week courses coming up this spring. Well, you're a busy person. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is business. Yeah, I have. <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> COVID hit. I got a lot of time on my hands. You are a busy businesswoman. You need to be on in a Hallmark Christmas movie where you slow down and find love with some a man that does manual labor of some kind. Hey, I'll take a dude know how to work a hammer, honey. <laughs> <laughs> I own a home. I own a home. I need a man that know how to work a hammer, honey. A screwdriver. Uh, I was about to say your home will stay fresh and uh, together. <laughs> I need a man that understands the difference between a flathead and a Phillips, okay? I need him to understand what that means. Well, if you've there ever you watched go. any of those Hallmark Christmas movies, they all they all the women that are always super busy and super focused on their career, and they go to some small town, and they either meet a mechanic or a plumber or a handyman, and they give it all up, and they move to that small town. I'm saying I'll do it for the right one, honey. Sure, we'll get me in the woods, honey, making blackberry jam. Make it happen. <laughs> a CBD infused blackberry jam. Okay. That's the only thing missing in my life right now. It's an it's an edible Christmas. Yep. That's the only thing missing wow. in my life right now. Well, it's coming. Don't what you put. You've already put it out there that you are willing to make blackberry jam. Have jam will travel. So um. I just need him to know how to use. You know to, to fix the tire. I just need him to know how to fix the, 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 the sound of the water running in the toilet. Just have some simple manly knowledge, okay? Please, you know, take it over, please. I don't want to be the one there with the screwdriver and the wrench trying to fix my garbage disposal. You know and, and what you don't know how to do, you can look up on YouTube. I'm just saying, or know how to call somebody. I, I love a man that knows how to delegate. Exactly. <laughs> what? This is leaking? Let me call Mr. Fix-It. No problem. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, okay. We're sending you positive energy for that to happen sooner rather than later. And we're thanking you again for being here because this was absolutely awesome. The fact that you graced us with everything. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you again. I know that was a lot of information. You guys can just go to my website. That's the Coca Brown, the number four life.com. That's C O C O A Brown, the number four life.com. All of that information is there as well as on my Instagram page, Coca Brown, one funny mama. But you can go to Coco Brown for life and all of that information is there. Absolutely. So, Kevin, it looks like we've uh, we've got another show in the can. All right. I can't believe we come to a, the end of another one. And again, thank you so much for gracing us with your presence. But it's time for us to go. So, Tachi, how can people listen to our show other than how they're listening right now? Oh, wow. There, there's no excuse for people not to listen because we are on a multitude of platforms. You can listen to us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio on Tuesdays and Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on WJMSRadio.com. You can listen live. And if you can't remember any of that, just go to our website, TVChanneling.com, where you can listen to past episodes and newly dropped episodes like this one will be and you know what while you're there since you love us so much we would really appreciate if you gave us a great review on any of the platforms and subscribe that way all the episodes come to you straight away when you subscribe why would you not yeah and, and we and you better leave a good review because the fact that you're still listening says you like us you really like us hmm, okay now that Kevin has scared you into or threatened you to uh, subscribe to us, if they want to object, how would they do that on social, Kevin? All right. If you want to threaten me and complain about what I just said, you can do it in a bevy of ways. You can reach out to us on Facebook, 
on uh, Instagram and Twitter, my personal favorite. We are TV channeling everywhere, and we would love to hear from you. So if there's a TV show you'd like us to recap, if there's something going on in pop culture you want to hear our take on, if there's a show you want us to review, let us know. We would love to hear from you. Absolutely. And with that, we're going to respect your time and let you get back to what you were doing before you started listening to this wonderful show. I'll end the way I always end, or we always end. Bye from Tachi. And goodbye from Kevin. And remember, if you're watching it and down with the swirl, we'll be talking about it. Ooh, uh, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> I, go, I, got, I got that shenanigans stuck in my head. I couldn't let it go. Okay. <laughs>